0: Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. How are you guys? Good. I am so, so excited to be here. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas. Um, And I just, every time I'm up here, I'm reminded that... I am a daughter in this house and that we are all family and so um, i'm so excited uh, and i believe that god has a word for us today on the last sunday of 2020 the greatest year of our lives (laughs) amen all right we're gonna jump right in Um, if you have your bible turn to daniel chapter 3 um, and I want to give you just, I'll catch you up to speed really fast on what's happening in the story. So King Nebuchadnezzar um, is the ruler of Babylon, and he builds a 90-foot-tall gold statue. And it's huge, and it's, it's nine feet wide. And he basically makes a decree, and he says that um, anytime you hear a musical instrument that you have to stop what you're doing, and you have to bow down to the statue, And so we'll pick it up in Daniel 3, 8 through 15. This is what it says. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments. And that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. And they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage... And ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. Now, on our last Sunday of 2020 together, as we reflect back on what has really been a crazy year, and it's even been, I would say, excruciatingly, Difficult at times. I feel like the Lord wants to shed some light on where He is, where He's been, and how He's been working in a year where you possibly felt like you were thrown into a blazing furnace. And now I don't want to negate any of the questions or any of the hardships that we've gone through, but I do believe. That God, in times of immense pressure, he just wants to shed some light on where he was and how he's working. Especially in a year where you maybe have felt like you were thrown into a fire. And so the question I want us to ask today, and the title of this message is, What happens in the fire? What happens in the fire? The fire, if you're taking notes, this is point number one. Refining happens in the fire. Refining happens in the fire. Now the voice of the enemy says this fire will destroy you, but the voice of God says this fire will refine you. Now don't let the enemy convince you that God has left you or forsaken you because of the trials that you've faced this year. And in fact, the opposite is biblical. And Jesus actually tells us that we will have trouble. John 16:33, he says, "In this world, you will have trouble." But he says, "Take heart. I have overcome the world." And we can't believe the lie that if something is going wrong in our lives, that God's not in it, that God can't use it and that God's not with us. You know, I was talking to one of my friends a few weeks ago, um, and he, he actually told me that in this year alone, three of his closest friends who were actually in ministry decided to walk away from the Lord altogether because this year was so hard and hearing that really breaks my heart but here's my question for you anyone watching online or anyone in this room anyone who's wrestling with a similar thought when did Jesus promise that if we just followed him that life would be perfect and easy Actually, he said, if you follow me, I guarantee you that life is going to be hard. And he says, actually, life is probably going to get a little bit harder, if not a lot harder than it is right now. Because he says, in order for you to follow me, you're actually going to have to lose your life. And if you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But the only way to save it is to lose it. Matthew 16, 20 says, Then Jesus made it clear to his disciples that it was now necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, submit to an ordeal of suffering at the hands of the religious leaders, be killed, and then on the third day be raised up alive. And Peter took him in hand, protesting, and he said, Impossible, master, this can never be. But Jesus didn't swerve. Don't you love the message? He didn't swerve. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. Now imagine Jesus saying this to you. And we all know that Peter meant well. He's he's going, Jesus, what do you mean you're going to suffer? You're the son of God. You're going to be killed. But Jesus looked at Peter. He goes, Peter, you have no idea how I work. You have no idea what I'm going to do through this. And then it goes on to say, then Jesus went to work on his disciples. He says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. First Peter 4, 12 through 13 says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Another translation says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. You see, the thing about following Jesus is he doesn't say that things are gonna get really hard And then he just leaves us there. See, he promises that even though things are going to get rocky, there is hope at the end of this road. Now, the enemy wants to convince you that this fire will lead to hell, but God wants to show you that this fire leads to hope. There is glory just around the corner, he says. Hold on, hold on, hold on to hope. This fire you're experiencing is not for nothing. And God is going to use this fire to purify your heart. And what happens in your heart and what's waiting for you on the other side of this purification process is as good as gold in the kingdom of God. Now there's a man in the Bible named Job. I'm sure many of us have heard of him. And I would say, next to Jesus, he probably endured the most suffering in the Bible. And I don't know what you've gone through this year. And I know that we've all gone through something hard, and and some of us more than others. But Job lost everything. He lost absolutely everything. He lost his animals. He lost his health. He lost all of his children. They were all killed. But I want you to see what Job says in chapter 23, He says, if only I knew where to find God. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt that way. When you've been in so much chaos and it's like you don't even know up from down. And you just say, if if only, if only I knew where to find God in all of this chaos, in all of this mess. He says, I would go to his court. I would lay out my case and present my arguments. And then I would listen to his reply and understand what he says to me. But then he says this in verse 10. He says, but he knows where I'm going. And I love this because this means exactly where you are today, God knows. And he knows exactly where he's going to bring you tomorrow. And he's not worrying about tomorrow and and neither should we. And Job says, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. Another translation says, when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. See, this is the man who lost everything. Saying, when I come out of this fiery mess, I'm going to come out as gold. See, you are the gold the Lord is after. Your heart is his most treasured possession. Proverbs 17.3 says, In the same way that gold and silver are refined by fire, the Lord purifies your heart by the tests and trials of life. And I believe the Lord is more concerned about what's going on on the inside of you than what's happening around you. And the Lord is not trying to destroy you through the things that you've endured this year because he loves you. And he loves you enough to use this fire that you're walking through today to burn up inside of you what will not serve you in the next season of your life. And as I was um, prepping for this message, this is one of the first things I felt like the Lord just dropped into my heart. And it's this, the fire will not break you. God will use it to build you. And I just believe that you're going to look back on this and realize that God was not breaking you. God was actually building something incredible, something strong, something beautiful on the inside of you. And yeah, it's, it's painful. And yeah, it's, it's not comfortable. And yeah, it means there's a lot that needs to be burned up on the inside of us. But I believe that once we come out of this and once you come out of this, you're going to look back and see that you walked into the biggest blessing you've ever walked into in your life because of what God did in the fire. This is what the refining fire of the Lord does in our lives. So jumping back into Daniel 3:15 says, "I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power." Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, "Oh Nebuchadnezzar, oh Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your God's Or worship the gold statue you have set up. Point number two. What happens in the fire? Trust grows in the fire. Trust grows in the fire. See their response to Nebuchadnezzar is what I think trust really sounds like. They say we know our God is able to save us. And you only talk with that kind of confidence about somebody who is notorious for not letting you down. And I think about God in this moment, hearing them say this about him. And I just can't help but think that he thought, wow, they really know me. Even though they're in the worst possible scenario they've ever found themselves in. They know me so well that they're able to say this about me in their time of trial. When we fail to put our trust in the Lord, I think it's because we haven't fully discovered who he is yet. Or maybe there's just more about him that we need to discover. Your lack of trust speaks more about who you think he is than who he actually is. Now for me, feeling safe in a relationship, whether it be a romantic relationship or a friendship, this is like the biggest thing for me. I'm sure a lot of us feel this way. Safety is very, very important. And I'm sure a lot of us have felt what it feels like to not feel safe, whether it be physically or emotionally. And if you've experienced that lack of safety, I wanna remind you That God is not like that. And God is not like that person that made you feel unsafe. And trust can only grow in a safe environment, and God is always safe. And when you put your trust in Him, you're safe. Psalm 91 says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. The message version says it this way God, you're my refuge. I trust in you, and I'm safe. I'm safe. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that God was a safe place for them. And this is how they were able to have full confidence and full trust in an unbelievably hard moment. And we have to start here, understanding that God is a safe place for us, understanding that He actually is trustworthy. And that might be hard for some of us when we've experienced people in our lives that aren't safe, that we can't trust. But this is where we need to start when it comes to trusting the Lord. But it doesn't mean that what's coming next is going to be easy. And it doesn't mean that you get to skip out on the process of trusting. And something I've, I've come to know about God is that he allows us to sit in the discomfort of trusting him. And I don't know if you've realized this or not about God, but he doesn't mind waiting. Which is probably our favorite thing about him, Right? We love that. But it's because in the waiting, our trust grows. The waiting isn't about your suffering. It's about your endurance. James 1, 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Only a good father puts us through a process like this. Not only does he say that you're not going to come out on the other side broken and beaten down and lifeless. No. What a good father he is that he would use whatever you're going through today to make sure that tomorrow you come out on the other side complete, whole, and lacking nothing. And if you feel afraid today, if you feel weary, if you feel beaten down, if you feel discouraged, I want you to just remind yourself right now, God is trustworthy. I have to do this sometimes, when life just feels chaotic and I don't know what's going on and I don't want to trust. Just remind yourself, God is trustworthy, I can trust him. He is safe. He is a safe place for me. He's not going to leave me hanging or disappointed. He's not going to give me scraps when I ask for bread. He's not that kind of father. He gives us so much more than we even ask for. And while we're waiting and while we're uncomfortable, we can just let our trust grow in him. Psalm 37 verse 4 is every girl in Bible college's favorite verse. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Just kidding. It's my favorite verse, too. I'm one of those girls. Um, But I love that verse. But what's even better, I think, is The verse after it says, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. But then it says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. That is a promise that we can hold on to. Trust in him. Trust in the Lord and he will act. He's not just sitting idly by while we trust him. He's moving. He's working. He's shifting things. He is fighting for you while you trust him. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You need to only be still. And I think this comes really not so easy to us when we're walking through seasons like we've walked this year. I don't think it comes naturally to most of us. Like I love to nap, but that's about, that's it. Like I really like to make things happen in my life. And I'll try to exhaust every single option before I'm actually still. But do not believe the lie that being still means you're giving up. It just means you're giving up control. And the truth is you were never in control to begin with. And sometimes the only way we ever fully give up control is when it feels like our hands are tied Daniel 3 verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual, and then he ordered some of the strongest men... Of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and they threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Sometimes it's a gift when our hands are tied because that means trusting him is our only option. See, when our hands are tied, he really becomes our only hope. And the truth is, he always was our only hope. But when our hands are tied, we have no choice but to surrender. But every time I stop, and every time I'm still, and every time I surrender... God gets to remind me all over again how faithful he is. And Before we wrap up this point, I want to look back at the first, one of the first things that they said to Nebuchadnezzar. In verse 16, it says, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. But then they say this, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want to make clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. See, as we trust the Lord, part of the process is letting go of how we think he should come through and getting to this point where we say, even if, even if, God, you don't come through the way I think you should, I'm still going to cling to you. I'm still going to hold on to you. I'm still going to follow you no matter what. I'm still going to trust you. And I want you to think about whatever you're walking through today or whatever you've walked through this year, even if his answer isn't what you want it to be. Trust in him. He is safe. And it might be hard today. And it may have been a really hard, dark year But I promise you, because of what I'm reading here and because of what he has done in my life, I promise you, he is not going to let you down. Psalm 112 verse 7 says, he is not afraid of bad news. She is not afraid of bad news. His heart, her heart, your heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. And the last thing we see that happens in the fire, and this is my favorite one. Point number three, what happens in the fire? He comes close in the fire. He comes close in the fire. And we just read Daniel 3.23. So Shadrach, Meshach, And Abednego. I should get an award for saying these names this many times. (laughs) And Nebuchadnezzar. Let's throw that one in there. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound. Remember, they were securely tied. But this is what happens when Jesus shows up. Unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god or a son of the gods And here's my question. What other God jumps in the fire with us? What other God comes closer than ever in our darkest hour? No other God does this but Jesus. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, when you pass through waters, I will be with you and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you when you walk through fire you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you and when i think about the three people that i mentioned earlier that turned away from the lord this year just because of what they were experiencing it really it just grieves my heart and if anybody in here has felt that way and you've looked at what's been going on around you and you just thought, where is God in this mess? Where is he? Why has he left me? Why has he left this person who's walked through some stuff this year? I just want to remind you that he hasn't left you. He's not forgotten about you. And not only is he with you, I believe he actually comes closer in times like this. See, we can simultaneously experience the pain of life and the closeness of God. Experiencing pain doesn't mean he's left you, it means he's about to get closer than ever. Now, think about it when did Jesus make his presence known? When they were in the fire. There were three men, and all of a sudden there were four. And I actually believe this is a biblical principle. And I think God does this. I think that when we are at our worst, when we're at our lowest, when we're at our darkest, he's actually closer than ever before. And I believe this because of what it says in Psalm 34, verse 18. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Now this year has been crazy. But for me, I would say that I have been in quite the refining fire this year. And I don't, I don't really think the Lord is bringing me out of it just yet. And that's okay. But earlier this year, For me, um, the person that I thought I would spend the rest of my life with all of a sudden one day wasn't in my life anymore. And so I can attest to the fact that it's true that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And one night not too long ago, I was thinking about about 10 years ago, I got saved. I gave myself to the Lord. And all of a sudden, I, I uh, learned about who the Holy Spirit was. And I learned about how he is not only with us, but I learned about how he speaks to us. And that really excited me. At 18, I was like, God, God speaks to me? The God, the God speaks to me? And I had never heard that before. I don't know why or or how. But I got so excited. And and I was a little naive at the time. And I I had this thought that, you know, this is great. This is amazing. I have a a leg up on life. And I just felt like, you know, everything I'd walk through, God would just tell me what was going to come. I would just be this prophet. I don't know. God would just tell me, hey, you know. This is what's going to happen here, and this is what's going to happen here, and this is what's going to happen here. And God has done that in my life, but those moments are few and far between. He actually told me I'd live in Arizona, like, years before I lived here. That was, like, probably the biggest time God has ever done that in my life, where he told me something that was to come. But I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about who I thought he was and who I thought the Holy Spirit was and how then I thought that he would be this person that would just, you know, tell me what was to come. But now, about 10 years later, when I think of him, I don't think of that. See, I think of who he is in times in my life when life just hits me in unexpected ways, in the most unexpected ways in the last several months of this year have been very difficult. And there's been times where I've gone to bed, and it feels like this heavy weight of sadness is just on my chest. And it's just sitting there, and there's nothing I can do about it other than just sit in it. So I fall asleep, and then, The next morning I wake up, and guess what? It's still there. It's just like this heavy weight sitting on my chest. But in times like this, I remember that although I, I wake up, and it's like this sadness is just crushing me, I remember what it says in Psalm 139, verse 18. It says, when I wake up. You are still with me. He is still with me. And he's still with you. And I just think, God, this is who you are. Out of every place you could be, You're the God that comes close, and out of everywhere. God, when I wake up, you choose to be right there with me. So King Nebuchadnezzar pulls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fire. And the Bible says not a hair on their heads was singed. Their clothes were intact, And they didn't even smell its smoke. And King Nebuchadnezzar makes a new decree that no one should say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says this, he says, there's no other God who can rescue like this. Psalm 118 says, out of my deep anguish, and pain I prayed. And God, you helped me as a father. You came to my rescue, it says, and broke open the way into a beautiful and broad place. Now I know, Lord, that you are for me and I will never fear what man can do to me. For you stand beside me as my hero who rescues me. And if nothing else, I want to remind you today that if that day of rescue has not come for you, it's coming. Because that's who he is. He's the God who rescues in this way. And I want to remind you that there's no other God who can rescue like he does. And there is no other God who uses the fire in our lives for our benefit To burn up things and to rearrange things and to realign things and to refine us and help us grow in trust. And there is no other God but Jesus who comes close and meets us right where we are when we are walking through fire. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I don't know what you walked through this year. But I know that God was with you. Even if He didn't realize it. Because I know he was with me. Every second. Even in what felt like the darkest moment of 2020 for me. And so right now, I want you to just think not to dig something up or to be weird, but I want you to think of your darkest moment of this year. Maybe when things felt overwhelming, when you maybe felt alone, when you felt hopeless. And I want you to think of that moment And I want you to just ask this simple question to the Lord. Say, Holy Spirit, would you show me where you were in that moment? I want you to just let him remind you that he was right there. He was right there when you were thrown into the fire. Ever before. And let him show you where he was. God, I thank you that this is who you are. And I thank you that even in this moment that there's healing happening in this room. God, that you're showing us that you weren't far, that you were close. God, I just thank you that this road does not lead to hell. It leads to hope, God. And I just pray that hope would fill this room and it would fill the homes of every single person watching online. That 2020 may have been crazy, but God, the road does not end here. Because we have you, and we get to hold on to hope, God. And I just thank you for your presence. I thank you that you're close. Would you come closer than ever before? In this moment, and as we go into next year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.